You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get out of here. Way back, looks up. There's the cycle. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. A single, double, triple, and home run in one game. He is hit for the cycle. All right, all right. Welcome back to The Cycle. We have got a fun episode for you this week. This is going to be a lot of fun. Joining us from Hunt Auctions is the president of auctions, Dave Hunt. Dave, thanks for being here. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And I think this is going to be very interesting for people, not only the people that are interested in sports memorabilia, but just... um, It has a general interest attraction, I think. People are always curious about what things are worth and um, you certainly are an expert on that. Uh, you're here because we are doing a, a, a auction for the Mini Minosa collection. Yeah, we're honored to be involved. Obviously, Mini, one of the great names, if, if not one of the greatest names, really, in White Sox franchise history. Uh, and the White Sox and White Sox Charities, we partner with them to host the auction here. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. Even if you don't want to bid, just to come see the items. We've, we were open for a preview for the last two home games here, and lots of people just came through and liked to look and, and yeah. remember what Mini meant to them. Sure. Where do you, where do you have them, the, all the items displayed? Yeah, it's up at the upper terrace suite level. Uh, so if you're coming down to the auction, it's free admission, no charge. You park out front, walk right up. I believe it's gate four. Uh, and then just come upstairs and preview the things, and the auction starts at 11 a.m. And how many items do you have? There's actually 425 total lots. Wow. A lot of stuff. I mean, 100 and some other minis. Uh, you've got Jerome Holtzman, the uh, late sports writer, Hall of Fame sports writer in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, so he also has a big collection. So you combine it, Minnie's the headline name, but you also have a big, a lot of stuff from Jerome Holtzman. Absolutely. I mean, Minnie's the anchor of the, of the sure. auction, but the Holtzman collection is in there. Some neat things from the uh, the current players through uh, White Sox charities, like an Abreu game jersey, Chris Sale. Lots of neat yeah. things. Even the bases from the Triple Play uh, that have been signed by the players. Which the one? That's yeah, a good a question. I think we have both, actually. Oh, I think really? we literally have both. And yeah. Mark Burley's uh, no-hitter. There's a home plate from that as well. Oh, really? So really interesting, unique things, yeah. That's never been auctioned off before? No. Actually, this was uh, some things. That once we decided to do this, and again, can't say enough about White Sox charities and what support they've given us and the club They're to phenomenal. host it here. They really are. Yeah, Christine and O'Reilly, who heads it up, and she's got a great team, Sarah and uh lauren there they're, yep. they're phenomenal absolutely so we told him look if we're going to do this and, and have such a special offering and anchor if you will like mini you know if you have some special pieces you might want to share let's include them in sort of the package and yeah. and uh let some people have fun with them they must have been holding on to that one for a while i think so so it's like the opening bid for an item like that let's just start with that the home plate for mark burley's this is no hitter not as perfect game right it's no hitter yeah i mean it that's the whole thing about the nature of auctions, right? You, you don't know what they're worth until the items are worth what somebody will pay for them. But yeah. generally speaking, things like that start in the hundreds and sometimes eclipse, eclipse into the thousands, but sometimes they don't. So what I always encourage people to do, whether they come down or do it online, leave a bid. You know, yeah. it costs nothing to bid. If you win it for what you were happy paying, then great. If you don't, it, it costs you nothing to give it a shot. But you might have remorse if you do put it down and own us spits yeah <laughs> that go- you're right that goes both ways i've had Have you that. ever had that i've had it both ways where more often than not people look and they like it and they don't bid and yeah. three days after like oh that only went for four or five hundred dollars yeah i'd have paid a thousand well you know i mean it's like voting if you sure. if you don't vote then don't don't comment exactly you put <laughs> so, it down right you put it down that's exactly right have you run into that like so so does someone ultimately they can pr- 
they can back out? No, you can't. It is actually a contract if you bid. I mean, does it happen? Of course. I mean, yeah. it happens occasionally. Obviously, there's terms in place of how we deal with that. But look, we want to make it fun for people, especially yeah. with an event like this. Uh, and even a portion of the proceeds from the Minoso things, the Holtzman things, even some of that will go to White Sox charity. So it's a great event. Lots of cool pieces. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, and I am uh, not a big collector at all. I used to collect autographs, um, and I brought some in. We'll get to those sure. a little bit later. Um, but the memorabilia market is just, it's skyrocketed. It is, it's a more than a cottage industry. It's a legitimate industry. Talk about, um, before we dive into mini stuff, you've done this, you partner with major league baseball. You've done some big name auctions around the country. Ted Williams. Yeah. What are some of the things that you auctioned off and some of the bigger items that, uh, I mean, again, you're absolutely right. This has evolved into an industry, you know, in the 25 years we've done this, uh, I remember selling things for five and ten thousand, thinking that that's an enormous amount of money, and now it's yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally. Um, and I think it's because baseball and really sports are ingrained into American pop culture, right or wrong, they are. So yeah. what we found is even when the economy's down, people still spend money on sports. They maybe shouldn't, <laughs> by the way. Uh, fun but it's an escape there, for them, especially during bad times. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. Uh, you, you notice it all the time, even when kids go to play Little League or they still, their, their parents may be struggling, but they still sign them up for sports. They sure. still will keep that going. Um, so what we've been able to do is sort of evolve the business to – not only make it an interesting and fun sort of a way to acquire some of these things, but almost it's become an investment grade. I mean, we, we are now having collectors that bought things from us 10, 15 years ago that we're contacting and offering to resell them. We just did one a couple months ago where the short version is he had about $100,000 worth of things into the items, probably 15, 20 things, and we just wrote him a check for almost 300000 when he consigned them to the auction. So pretty good return over about 15 years. And you brokered that. You found a different buyer. Exactly. For the- yep. He consigned some to auction. We brokered some. So What's something that you, like in the back of your mind, you're like, you know what, 20 years ago, this guy got a Ted Williams bat for 500 bucks. That's worth 10 grand. We should call him. And Well, it's it's... what's hard about it is predicting because that goes both ways by the way there are some things we sold for a lot of money that we end up seeing sold down the road by somebody else or whatever and they bring less so what I've always told people is whether it's from Ted Williams personal collection Joe Dimaggio any of the ones we've ever handled buy something that you love you know buy the best you can afford quality wise condition wise but also make sure you love it because if you do follow those criteria probably other people are going to feel the same way down the road only for more money. And that's usually, it actually usually works out. It's interesting. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things you had for, for Ted Williams? We worked with his daughter, Claudia. We, it was, you know, we talked to her for literally nine years before oh, wow. she decided to do it because it was, you know, it was an immense responsibility. Ted passed away and then her brother passed away, John Henry, when he was 35 years old. Yeah, cancer. that was terrible. It was, you know, so sort of, she was saddled with this legacy, you know, to, to sort of handle. And, to her credit, she took her time, did it the right way. So we approached the Red Sox, and needless to say, if you're going to do Ted Williams auction, it has to be in Fenway Park, period. Yeah. So but that was the first time an auction like that's ever been done there. So it was sort of unprecedented. It was an amazing group of stuff. It brought Huge almost, turnout. Almost $5 million worth of stuff. So, wow. Um, you, from silver bats to his MVP award to you know his batting crown that he won, like the Babe Ruth crown. Yeah, the triple crown. Um, guns. He was an avid. He was a member of the Hunting Hall of Fame, Fishing Hall of Fame, Aeronautic Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, if you learn about what Ted Williams did in his life, it's it's well, he was a a two-time war hero. I mean, war, yeah, yeah. World War II and Korean War. Did you have any war stuff? We did actually. One of the things I was going to mention was we had his original diaries that he flew with when he himself was chronicling what he was doing in battle, and it was. I mean, it just gives you chills. It was amazing. And what was really cool, 
um, is a client, one of our better clients actually purchased them and then put them on loan with the World War II Museum down in New Orleans. So that was, it's like a perfect situation. So you have Everybody that too. Wins. You have curators that are coming in and they have a, a budget and yeah. they're trying to collect things for, to, to display. Absolutely. And I'm sure that'll occur here with many things. I mean, a lot of the collectors out there, there's this perception sometimes when families sell things, well, how could they sell them? Actually, usually families and even players themselves more so, these are just things. You know, if you're a doctor, you don't hang your stethoscope on your wall on a frame. You know, sure. if you're a baseball player, a bat, a glove, it just doesn't mean the same to you as it does collectors. So a lot of times the collectors act actually become better stewards for the items than the players in the family themselves. Yeah. They loan them out. They put them on display. So that's usually what we hope for, obviously. Um, what what do some of the items that grabbed you that uh they're going to be have on this for minis. i mean minis i think the thing about minis legacy is obviously is his tenure you know i mean he was yeah. literally played technically in five decades even though the last ones were sort of token just appearances but you know he bridges so many you know all the way from the 40s and the 50s and 60s with the cuban league and then the mexican league and, and all the way up with the white Sox and then to the indians and back to the white Sox. so um he he really left behind a legacy as a player, but then, you know, I think many people, especially in today's generation of White Sox fans, remember him as sort of an ambassador for the club. He was, sure. he was always here. You know, he was part of the club. He was part and he, of- he, he, like, got in a at bat at the age of 50, yes. got yes. a hit, which I just saw a highlight of, and it was not, like, some cheap hit. No, he, even Harry Carey says it. It was yeah. like he, was a, he ripped a liner to yeah. the left field, pulled it. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, obviously we have things sort of that chronicle all of that. We've got awards like his Gold Glove Award, uh, his Mexican Hall of Fame ring, uh, his 1959 American League championship ring, which you would think, wait a minute, he wasn't on that team. You'd be right. He was traded before that and was devastated. You know, yeah. really devastated him. Uh, but Bill Vec recognized how important he was to that championship. So when he came back, he actually gave Minnie a 59 ring because he was so important. There's a great article from the period chronicling this. But Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, really interesting. And And then there's lots of fun stuff. Like there's... You know, uniforms that he wore in the 70s and 80s as coach, you know, and, and ambassador and that kind of thing. So what's cool about it is there's m- literally hundreds of items that are 100 to $300. They're not 10000 15000 yeah. So if White Sox fans want to buy something just to remember by or something just, to, honestly, to decorate your sports den, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. And you can have something that came right from Minnie Minoso with letters signed by his family as well. Very cool. Didn't you say there's like a raccoon? There uh, is. I've heard story. I've not personally, obviously wasn't out here, but... Supposedly, people just remember him wearing that coat—that full-length raccoon fur coat that he would wear. And there's I want a, we've that. we've come to everybody does. Everybody's <laughs> come and said, "Oh, I want that." I remember seeing Minnie coming here when it was two yeah. degrees. So um, that is in there. Yep. Absolutely. No kidding. Well, that's great. And then uh, Jerome Holtzman must have a much more diverse collection, not being a player himself. He collected things from all, you know, just being a Hall of Fame writer. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, what are he, some of the things that stick out? That he, he's once got? the uh, once the family heard about this and and through a White Sox contact, we were discussing how to best uh, include them, and and so they had some great things and you know, legendary sports writer, not just in Chicago, but nationally right. regarded. It. I mean, the, the saying sort of is, if Jerome Holtzman didn't want you in the Hall of Fame, you weren't getting in the Hall of Fame. He was that powerful in that time period of voting. So we've got like his typewriter, you know, that he used for the Chicago Tribune. We've got an archive of materials that relates to the baseball save, like a relief pitcher yeah. save, which he's largely credited as the terminology of, of, of calling it a save. So Then that typewriter, if you're listening, that typewriter is also the same typewriter used in the opening of Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, Did you know go. that? That's about right. Yeah, <laughs> That's about it right. Is. It looks like it, actually. The dust is included. There's no extra charge. <laughs> yeah, right. um, press pins. Uh, not only did he receive them as a member of the press, he obviously collected them as well, it looks like, because there's some from the 20s all the way up literally to the current day. 
uh, All-Star Game, World Series, special events, uh, Hank Aaron's you know uh, home run game, just lots of unique things, scorecards, programs, anything you would expect a sports writer from that time period to have. Because if you think about how powerful sports writers were at that time period before the age of, uh, not that they are now, but it's just different with online yeah. uh, sort of. You know, That's venues. big, you said, right? Online bidding is huge. It's huge. I mean, um, look, we love the live event. We'd love people to come down and see the things. One nice thing is we understand people are busy. It's, it's just the way the world is. And so you can come down. You can register. You don't even have to come down. Uh, and you can bid interactively online just like you're standing in the room. So we have people. You may have a crowd in the room thinking, wow, there's not that many people competing. But actually, there's thousands and thousands all over the world literally bidding online as well. And how long of a time frame do you leave open for an auction like this? Yeah, we go about 80 to 100 lots an hour. So we move pretty quick. Um, so it'll start at 11 a.m. and usually we'll be done around 3 or 4 um, but once an item is closed, it's closed, it's or you closed. Should, nope. keep that open till the end. Actually, it goes now. It go right now. You can jump around and bid on anything you want. Uh, incrementally, tomorrow it will start a lot one and run in order right through the end. Everybody obviously has a period of time while it's up in the air, and you can bid on it whether online, phone, or in person. And then when it closes, it's sold, and we go to the next one. Yeah. So through your career, and you've been doing this for how long now? Uh, Twenty five years. Twenty five years. Yeah. And you names like um, Joe DiMaggio, Johnny Unitas, Gal Sayers. What is an item or two? Uh, give us a few that just stick out in your mind. You're like even blew you away for how much they sold for. The one uh, when we got to deal with Joe DiMaggio's collection, you know, it's not even about preference of player or team, but that's it's about as big as it gets. It, yeah. That was amazing. I mean, he was an American icon, literally, and. Um, we were trusted by his family to work with his estate and, and sell the things at an auction in, in Times Square in New York and doing the research for that because Joe was a very, very private person, like in, insanely private. So he had bought a house in on Beach Street in San Francisco in 1937, I think, or thereabouts. And he He's had that house. Right? Yeah, and he had that house his entire life. So it was almost a repository of all of his things. So we were literally the first people to be opening trunks and finding his World Series uniform from 1950, when he 51, when he was done and retired. Or, you know, I literally will never forget this when I'm rooting through some things. Because our job is also to decide or help the family decide what not to sell. There's certain yeah. things that are private. You just don't sell them. So we are calling through all these letters and notes. And literally a, a small piece of folded up paper fell on the table where we were sorting. I opened it up, and it was a love letter from Marilyn Monroe to Joe DiMaggio, wow. which nobody had ever probably nobody other than joe had ever read before i read it so yeah you know we shared it with the family and did you actually, feel like it was it was it, it too it, private it's or? an odd moment because there was nothing sensitive in there how was her handwriting it was very good was it? <laughs> actually it was really good she signed it love mrs joe dimaggio so oh, really yeah it was really oh, so it was like wow they were together yeah married. the cool thing about it was when we were deciding with the family whether to sell it or not the ultimate decision was yes, but it really wasn't about the money is because it dated. If you remember, there was a lot of theories that Marilyn really didn't love, didn't want to be with him. And this was after they were apart. And she wrote that to him. So it actually was new sort of evidence that showed that he really, she really did care for him. So right. they wanted that to get out there. And that ultimately is what decided it. That's cool. I mean, what it was. A, that's got to be neat for you to go through these things. But also, like, it's, it's hard research if things aren't labeled or if you're looking at something and you're trying to figure out what year it was from or is that true that you absolutely I, you know authenticity is everything in this i mean that's something we've been extremely proud of over the 25 years that's why we work with the leagues and teams and different players uh it's almost a filter system you just had just because it came from a player does not mean it's authentic you yeah. have to still research it do the photo matches in fact joe dimaggio's world series uniform initially the tagging looked a little odd there was it was by a different manufacturer than it made the yankees uniforms and we couldn't really figure it out to tell you the truth 
So we started thinking about it. Wait a minute. You know, for World Series use, they would typically make a new uniform. So we went and found photographs. And if you think about pinstripe jerseys and then the logo patches, you can actually look at unique intersecting points of where the logo intersects with the pinstripes. And you can actually do almost a thumbprint with period imagery. Sure enough, this was the last uniform he wore in the 51 World Series. So it went from being sort of an uncommon, don't yeah. know what it is, to one of the best uniforms that existed at Joe DiMaggio. How about any of these collections? Um, and the names I think that we've gone over, these um, players have, they're gone um, when you get a hold of their collection. Have mm -hmm. you done anything where they're still around and find the guys or women are reluctant to let go of some things? Uh, it, it's different for everybody. I mean, yes, we certainly have, you know, Jim Palmer, Earl Weaver, uh, you know, Kurt Schilling, actually, lots of different players that had things. A lot of times it's their charities. What was Schilling giving away? Lots of different things that he was doing. We did a portion of his proceeds went to the ALS Foundation. I mean, it was some uniforms and bats yeah. and things like that. Uh, Chili Davis, you know, the great uh, player for the Giants in the 80s and now a hitting coach, I think, for one of the clubs. But um, I love that name. Yeah, it, 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 that's a baseball name. I mean, um, so it, it really depends. I mean, again, the players themselves, interestingly to me, don't actually have the attachment to it that that the collectors do. It's yeah. just sort of, eh, it's you know, yeah. This they is, lived it. They had the live experience. They have these were memories. So you know, when you're talking to a player and they tell you, yeah, you know, we did Clem Labine, Brooklyn Dodger player. He's like, yeah, you know, I had dinner with Jackie Robinson all the time. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, but to your, you know, you and I are like, what? Wow. <laughs> you can't believe yeah. it. So yeah, you want to hear about to it. sell things that related to that. It was just sort of stuff. Usually, it's just things they'd rather have out there. Use the money to put their grandchildren through college, do some charity. Yeah, especially the older players yeah. that, you know. And then the new players that have so much money that it's special. All right. So, anyway, let's go through a few items here. Brad, Brad Boron, our uh, producer here, esteemed producer, brought in an item. Brad, why don't you tell us what you got? Well, Dave. Uh, or what you I'm, think you have. Well, I'm going to <laughs> say what I think oh, I man. have. That'd be, that'd that'd be horrible. <laughs> that would be just terrible. Um, so, anyway, long story short, uh, my family and I were cleaning out my my parents' current house still, um, they found a baseball that says Go-Go Socks on it. Um, it's honestly been sitting on my shelf. In I took it to college with me. I've taken it everywhere. I'm mm. extremely curious about it. Well, the first thing that you look for on these kind of baseballs is, and this sounds silly, but it happens. We look at the ball itself when it dates to and make sure that there are people on it that are appropriate for that date. A lot of things that happen out there that are bad – uh, as you'll see, actually, a ball that was made in 1961 that somebody that died in 1959 signed. That's a oh, that's yeah. a problem. That's a bad it's one. not going to work out too. In this case, Brad, this this is a basketball, <laughs> yeah. and this was given to your dad when he bought some carpet from Empire. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not well, quite a basketball. The good, the good thing is I get to edit all of this out if it's, <laughs> yeah, if right, it's terrible. Yeah, if you like. Um, first glance, I mean, obviously this is you know, informal, but like it's clearly a period ball made by Wilson. They called the go-go socks because that late fifties, early sixties ish era. Um, you've got, you know, Al Lopez, the manager, Tommy John, who would have been very young at that point in his career, which also would help us to date it. Um, Tommy John. Yeah. So that, that actually could be a little bit, that's what I'm thinking. It's probably more like into the sixties. That's my guess. Not that that's bad. It just, you know, dates it. Bill Muscowan, um, you know, lots of those great guys from that that 50s 60s um socks era the coolest part is the condition it's really nice actually the condition's really strong because we rate the signatures on a scale of one to ten ten being the best and you know you're probably like mostly sevens eights and nines so it's pretty condition wise it's pretty good value if it were 59 specifically which i don't think it is because tommy john's on there but if it were 59 you'd probably be at a thousand to two thousand bucks 
as it sits, it's probably two to four hundred somewhere in that range, depending on the year. So you're a winner. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Nice. All right. Here's well, one. That, I, quit, uh, I quit, Pat. These I'm are not. <laughs> here's one. Uh, I, I was at a game in Kansas City. Okay. And I got a ball signed by uh, Pearl Jam, the entire band. Oh, okay. Major League Ball. They were sitting like right by me. Went and got a ball. Had them sign it. Well, I think this is one of these. Um, Brad, are you okay? <laughs> Do you just had something shattered <laughs> from your childhood? <laughs> So when you get Pearl Jam and, you know, different, let me say it a different way, Beatles, when they did appearances as a sign of baseball back in the 60s, or the Rolling Stones, or, you know, different celebrities, Bob Hope, and Minnie actually has a ball signed by Bob Hope, too many. Oh, nice. So when you get something like this, in a way, some people, there's two schools of thought. Some people are like, well, why would I want a baseball signed by a bunch of rock and roll guys? And then the other school of thought is that's really unique to have a baseball signed by a bunch of rock and roll yeah. guys. So. Um, the condition's not great, but it was just something you got signed, so it yeah. makes sense. Um, but it, presuming it's authentic, which you know, certainly looks like it is based on your... On you think your, I'm making it up, Dave? Well, I mean, I'm not here to say <laughs> that today. I don't think that's today's purpose, but... Through the magic of radio, I think <laughs> Pat is going to bring out his Beatles baseball next. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, but yeah, it, pretty cool. Actually, probably something that's three, four, five hundred bucks. Really? Say. Yeah, probably. Right. It's pretty unique. All right, how about this one? This is not in great condition either because, yeah. you know, I was a kid, but... Three Sox legends, Ozzie Guillen, yep. Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura. Uh, if you had those three guys on a ball in nice condition, probably 50 to 100 bucks. Not not too much. Yeah. Pretty common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty common. How about this, Carlton Fisk? Well, I mean. Single- it's personalized. Now, now, that's a question I want to ask. When an yes. autograph is personalized, does that decrease the value? Here's the thing. The, an- the short answer is yes, it does. Okay. But, uh, you know, having met. A lot of players, I've been fortunate to deal with a lot of them over the years. I used to get my son baseballs when, when he was young and always had them personalized. For my case, it was because I didn't want any conflicts or them. You know, I just wanted – this is for my son. I'm not right. doing this to sell it and make money. Um, so, yeah, it is worth less. But here's the thing. So this is what you have to analyze. You know, if you're collecting, if you're collecting to enjoy it and also have it be worth money, no, you shouldn't have it personalized. If you're doing it to have fun, get it personalized. That's sure. the way I've always looked at it. So. Yeah. Um, if it weren't personalized, it's probably fifty to one hundred bucks. Personalized, probably ten twenty percent less in that range. Okay. For Carlton Fisk, are you a collector? I am a little bit, but unfortunately, again, because it's too much of a conflict, you know, yeah. obviously we cannot bid in our own auctions, nor would we. So it just has to be things that I just acquired outside of that along the way. So there's certain things I keep. I've got one photo, I think I bought somewhere else. It's probably been fifteen years ago. That's uh, to David. Best wishes, Lou Gehrig. Just because my name's David, I thought, wow. that's cool. So yeah. I kept that, you know. Uh, so I've got a few things here and there. You know, that's where I'm at in my life, where I, I'd almost rather have a photo with somebody than, mm-hmm. you know. I used to be huge on autographs. I have this one here. This is just on a sheet of paper. That's Walter Payton's autograph. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, definitely a guy like Payton who's iconic. Obviously, unfortunately, passed away young. Um, photos and footballs and jerseys are obviously a bit more expensive, but this is still probably, you know, 100 150 bucks. Okay. And you want to write me a check or? Uh, any way you will, any way you'd like it, we'll take care of that right after the show. <laughs> yeah, right, right after the show. Okay, last thing yes. I brought in these. So when I was a kid. I was in Cooperstown. We were literally driving through um, upstate New York. We we're like, we're going to go to the Hall of Fame. Didn't sure. even realize it was induction weekend. Sure. So all these guys were there. I'm probably like ten or eleven years old. A lot of these guys are gone. Yep. Um, but they have, they're signed here on the the plaque. They're like postcard. Yeah. P- just describe it to people listening. The postcard plaque of their uh, what their enshrinement in the hall. So we got Al Lopez. I'll let you go through them. Uh, uh, well, Al Lopez, Ernie Banks, 
Enos Slaughter, Bob Lemon, Pee Wee Reese, and Lefty Gomez. And you're absolutely right. These are you know, very widely collected postcards that they sell in Cooperstown. These are yellow. They also have the white color. They have a bunch of different types, but um, these are very widely collected. And what becomes interesting about these is you get rarities by when a guy would be inducted and when he passed away. So sometimes you yeah. could have a guy like Richie Ashburn when he's inducted and then passes away very shortly afterwards. So having certain types of pieces signed, there's a much tighter window to get them signed. So they're worth more. Um, and then you get guys who, as you said, they're there every year for 15, 20 years. So every year they're signing stacks of these and balls and photos. So it's not really the value, but then there's the value of having the whole set. You know, people try to acquire everyone oh, okay. that was ever done. Yeah. Even go back to Satchel Page and Jimmy Fox in the 60s when they started making these yellow plaques. So these kind of guys, I mean, Banks is probably your best one. P- Banks and Pee Wee Reese are probably in that 50 to to $100 range, and the other guys are in that 25 to 50 range apiece. When you get into, like, the DiMaggio's, the Ted Williams, um, you know, Mickey Mantles, those are more in that three, four, five hundred 500 apiece. Okay. And then the Jimmy Foxes and Satchel Pages, they can be two, 3000 apiece just because wow. they're so rare. Well, this has been fun. You um – basically told me and brad that we don't have anything that's worth <laughs> don't quit your day job <laughs> I, yeah say I, that. I i think i'm going to be working for the white Sox for a little while longer. <laughs> there you go there you go no well, this is awesome and we're very happy like just that you're partnering with the uh, white Sox charities and um again mini minoso so beloved here and really throughout major league baseball yeah, yep. but um we, we wish you guys the best of luck with the auction we hope that people are going to be checking it out online or come down to the stadium right Want to give the times one more time? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to come down to the stadium, uh, at 9 a.m., the doors open Saturday morning. 11 a.m., the auction starts. It'll go to about 3 or 4. Uh, again, if you can't stay, you got plans during the day, pop down, preview it, get set up to bid online, and just leave. And you can uh, bid at huntauctions.com online on any of the items. Great. And what's coming up? What's next after this? Uh, we go to Louisville Slugger for our annual auction at the museum down there. Uh, they give a Living Legend Award. This year it's Dave Winfield. Uh, and then the Super Bowl down in Houston, we do our, our big NFL event, which is obviously an enormous event uh, yeah. that's that's really grown over the years. But the 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 base, my just my personal love is baseball and doing the things with these families and the players and the clubs in the stadiums where they were either played or they're so well known. It's really fun. It really is actually neat just for people to see the stuff. I mean, uh, we'd like them to bid on it, obviously, but yeah, um, if you can't afford to or you just want to see it. You know, definitely come down, take pictures of it, whatever you want to do. Yeah, phenomenal. Great stuff. Dave, So much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, yeah. and uh, good luck to you. And, uh, again, check out uh, auctions. Yep, huntauctions.com. Huntauctions.com. Yep. Huntauctions.com. And, um, yeah, that's it. That's the uh, – that's all we wanted. For, it's a wrap. You know, that's – I'm just kind of – I'm spinning because I thought this stuff was worth more. And I feel bad for Brad because it's not even the 1959. Well, there could be worse news. It could, <laughs> have, been, signed it, by, it could uh, have been not authentic. I mean, that's the good news is sometimes we get to do these things and they show us things. I'm like, well, they're not only not worth much, they're not real. So they're worth uh, This less. is the 59 ball? Uh, maybe not. Ivan <laughs> Calderon signed this. <laughs> we have a bit, bit of a date discrepancy. <laughs> that's great. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks for Thank joining you. us on The Cycle. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.